He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. I'm on a mission to empower over 1 billion people to be happy, to create a collective consciousness of abundance and happiness. Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. All right, all my Slick Talkers, today's special guest on the podcast is David Meltzer, who is the co-founder of Sports One Marketing and formerly served as the CEO of the renowned Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment Agency, which was actually inspired for the movie Jerry Maguire. His life's mission is to empower over 1 billion people to be happy. This simple yet powerful mission has led him on an incredible journey to provide one thing. Now, one thing is value. In all of his content and communications, that's exactly what you'll receive. As part of his mission for the past 20 years, he has been providing free weekly trainings to empower others. Now, let's get ready to kick off the show. Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. It's so good to have you on the show. Uh, it's just incredible to have been able to connect with you recently. So thank you for being on. Oh, it's my pleasure. Love to have a hospitality platform to help share uh, the ability to make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. Hospitality is probably the best place to do that. Yes, yes. And I think uh, we've all heard it before. Hospitality should be applied to every business, whether you know, you're in the hospitality industry itself or not. Um, but I want to jump in really deeply with you on entrepreneurship itself, uh, specifically, obviously, like in the hospitality industry with restaurants, hotels, vacation rentals, all that good stuff. Um, but what are some like entrepreneurship is not easy already in the sense of all the back end uh, and careers and businesses that you've done uh, with your history. But what do you think um, entrepreneurs in the hospitality industry themselves can can learn from their journey and through this last uh, year or even stuff that you've experienced with your your life? I think you said the key word right there is experience. I think those people that are in the backdrop, I like to call, I don't like to call things industries, the backdrops of hospitality. Hospitality, uh, ironically, I always said I was in the hospitality business even when I was running the most notable sports agency in the world. Uh, the hospitality or the experience I could give to the spheres of influence, to the teachers, the, the uh, family members and the athletes were the key component to swaying things. That's because people buy on emotion for logical reasons. And you're in the experience business when you're in the hospitality business. So it doesn't have to be what traditionally, as you see outside in, uh, you know, in sports and entertainment, it doesn't have to be a necessary in-person hospitality anymore. So I think if people as entrepreneurs would look at the hospitality backdrop or industry as the experience business, they would then be more open-minded in order to effectuate an experience that may not include staying in a hotel room or speaking in front of 50,000 people. No, oh, that's really good. It's really good. The experience business instead of the hospitality business. I like that. Um, 
can can I ask you this? Do you think that companies like let's say you know, I love Marriott, but do you think like companies can get so like so big that they lose touch with that experience mode, or do they um, actually get more traction in that area because they are so big? I was going to say it's really hard not to love Marriott if you're in the hospitality or experience yeah. business. Yeah, since <laughs> they own so many hotels. Yeah, you know it's so interesting because as we roll things up and we aggregate businesses, and I think you see it in multiple industries right now. Accounting, for example, yeah. you know there's a huge roll up in accounting. Look, there still needs to be the individualized business units within a conglomerate, and we see that. Throughout history, with the biggest, you know, General Electric would be a traditional yeah. one that you could look at. That you know, General Electric Medical Services is as big as any company in the world, and that's just a business unit. Um, and so, I think that each of the brands that exist within Marriott, they have their own personality, and they know that. But what do they have? The secret sauce for today, when you're looking at these huge conglomerates, especially in the hospitality, is data. Right. The idea behind the aggregate of everything rolling up isn't that they're going to stray away from the individual experiences, you know, from the Ritz Carlton to a Westin to a residence in. No, those have their own unique experiences, their own price points, et cetera. But what do they do? They share their data, mm. right? Because they own this, the same company. Now you have statistically such a greater aspect because the Ritz Carlton visitor you know, doesn't always stay at the Ritz-Carlton. And I think what a lot of people don't understand is the efficiency effectiveness in the strength of that signal, having that data, the spectrum of what it can reach and the clarity of the message. But the clarity of the message only works in the context if each of the individual brands still hold their own frequency or experience relative to that big, big database. That's a really good point. And I think data is something like, there's so much data out there my, my question, again, I guess going back to you and we can chop it up with this, but is on the boutique side, the independent mom and pops or maybe the smaller companies that don't have hundreds of hotels or hundreds of vacation rentals or hundreds of restaurants or even more than one or two, maybe five, ten plus, um, how they don't have as much data with like that. So where do you find access to data? How do you do you just kind of copy what they're doing and see like the moves that they're doing? Or do you start implementing your own thing to, based off of your destination? Well, fortunately, because of the gig economy, yeah. they actually have the access to different data. Uh, so they can use uh, booking.com, Airbnb, VRBO as a boutique hotel even, and utilize their uh, platform and their data in order to market uh, that unique boutique experience. So uh, in effect, they've benefited as well um, from that data. Um, and, you know, because of the booking systems, uh, they actually share data with a Marriott. They drive data to a Marriott. So I think they're in a much better position than the experience, the old experiential marketing of a boutique yeah. hotel, which was mainly lo- location and word of mouth. So, you know, if you're in Santa Barbara or Capitola and you have the theme room boutique hotel, which I, you know, stayed at for my own uh, anniversary, the only way I knew about it was that I was playing golf up there and drove by it and then asked somebody local about it. And then they told me the history of it. And it was this unique experience. Well, I can find that today on a variety of different websites uh, and probably get a better deal. True. Yeah. (laughs) They make a good point. 
Well, so I want to dive in and kind of go a little bit back into your your mission and your story. So what do you think from your own personal experience with entrepreneurship? You've had, you know, had a lot of success. You had a lot of failures. I think we all have experienced some highs and lows when it comes to the journey of, of business and entrepreneurship. But what do, I don't know, this last year has just been so crazy, right? With COVID and restrictions and lockdowns and, you know, the uncertainty of, you know, normal, when is that going to come back? Um, so what do you think, like, what are some big lessons or learnings that you've taken from your experience this is overall as a career or uh, the last year um that you think people get to learn from what one thing is don't think in terms of uncertainty Mm -hmm. in fact there's always uncertainty Mm -hmm. and what we want to think of in terms of is certainty in fact if someone can tell me with certainty what's going to happen tomorrow uh, i can make billions of dollars i'm happy to donate it to one of my charities unstoppable or you know the uh junior achievement that i that i support but there's always uncertainty. What we want to look at is change, right? Only a wet baby likes change. And when we have change, a lot of people freak out. And so the way that we create certainty within change is the only thing that we have control of. So what I've learned through a lot of accelerated change in my career um, and my life is that I'm in control of three things. One, my mindset. So I use, utilize gratitude that allows me to find the light, the love and the lessons. So I don't see any failures in my life, just really big lessons. Uh, Forgiveness is so important to give me peace and a sense of certainty. Accountability, instead of lying, people live in blame, shame and justification. Instead, I live in uh, accountability, which says, what did I do to attract this to myself? And what am I supposed to learn from it? And then inspiration. Instead of living in a world of being a victim, right, of living in the world of not enough, why me, or even in a world of buying things that you don't need to impress people you don't like, a world of for me, I live in a world of through me, a world of more than enough of everything for everyone to empower a billion people, over a billion people to be happy to live in abundance and realize that things don't happen to you or for you. You're in control of your mindset. So allow them with appreciation, forgiveness, and accountability and inspiration in spirit connected to all to come through you. The second thing is I'm in control of my heart set. I'm in control of the way I feel. I know, you know, it's the worst thing to have this attitude when you have three teenage daughters because they'll say you hurt my feelings. I'm like, I can't control your feelings. Uh, They hate that. And my wife hates it worse. You know, you made me feel that I can't make you feel anyway. You're in control of your feelings. Uh, And I think that's a really important lesson uh, when we have accelerated change. And then finally, the importance of what we think, say, do and believe, our characteristics, our obsessions, our addictions. These really came out during these pause periods so that we can have accelerated growth, learning, and to me, expansion. Uh, This is the margins of millionaires when we have accelerated change. This is when you learn markets, market makers, and buy and sell side of business in order to effectuate what you want. I have found that this is the best year of my life. I'm not, I'm unabashedly unashamed of telling people this has been the best year of my life. And I know that I can't be poor enough to make you rich. Well, I can't be sick enough to make you well. I can only give what I have. And the better that I do, the more I can give. Yeah. So the more that the more you invest in yourself and the more you create value in what you're doing in, in your overall journey, the more you're able to give and bring value to others, right? It's kind of like the exactly. I mean, I look, even my book, right? I have multiple books that I've written. I give away my books for free, right? Anybody can email me, David at dmeltzer.com, put that in the notes. 
I'll ship you my book. I'll sign it. Uh, and the funny thing is I tell everybody I give my books for free and I've never sold more books than during uh, the pandemic. And all I've been doing is offering it for free. But what happens is people take it. I'll send two books usually so they can give one to a friend. Yeah. And then what happens is they actually like it and they don't want to get another one for free. They see value in it and they go and buy them for friends and it's turned into an unexpected marketing strategy to give my book for free. Now, I imagine if the book sucked, it'd work against me and yeah. people would use it for, you know, fire uh, fodder. But uh, I'm blessed to have, you know, Connected to Goodness, a really great book uh, that seems to change people's lives. So um, that's a good example of how this abundant attitude works. Oh, I love that. I love that a lot. Um you kind of mentioned something briefly about obsessions. Like we have these obsessions sometimes as uh, I think you get this as entrepreneur. Um, I, so long, not a long time ago, last year, August, uh, in my hotel room on COVID orders and was like figuring out how can we help the industry with people that are just like really putting their face down to the ground and like just providing excellent service and still crushing it without getting the spotlight on them the whole time. So created a destination air award. And I want your opinion on this of wired to create. So people that are wired to create remarkable experiences that are anticipated and shared. I've become obsessed with this whole thing. And so I want to dive in, I guess, maybe with obsession and entrepreneurship and like, what do you think? Do you think people are wired to create? Do you think they're born a certain way? Do you think they construct a certain way to become an entrepreneur that just is wired to, to build a business or to grow a business? I'm, just want to take your perspective on that. So I think there's there's three things to look at of how we're wired. One is our conscious. So consciously, people have different potentials of how their senses work. Some people's eyes are better than others. Some people's ears are better, nose, mouth, and touch. And then you have the subconscious and people's brains have different neural pathways. So each individual has a different potential determined upon what it is that they're working on. They have 10,000 new thoughts a day that come in and they have different capabilities and potential of how they utilize those new thoughts. Then you have 40,000 of the same thoughts that create those neural pathways. And we have different thoughts that are in our subconscious, different potentials. But then what you're talking about exists with, I call in the quantum being mm -hmm. within your DNA. And we can activate and deactivate things in our DNA. We could change our personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions. It just takes longer. You know, when, one thing that's frustrating to me is people say it takes 21 days to create a habit. I'm like, if that's true, then people could stop drinking for 21 days or stop yeah. doing drugs for 21 days, and they would never want to do it again. No, people have different quantum natures, different potentials. And so within entrepreneurship, there's certain skill sets like the desire that you must be what you can be, like the enjoyment of the consistent, persistent, you know, pursuit of your potential, like math. Uh, it's a big skill set, believe it or not, to be an entrepreneur, that not academic math, but understanding how money and money works within the currency of itself to create a deal and create margins. You have to know that math. So within the context of each of the consciousnesses, we have our own potentials and people are born, right? Four generations they've proven scientifically are born with different potentials or different DNA. Now I believe in past lives, so it gets really confusing. So I believe that like my quantum entrepreneurship started you know, from multiple lifetimes ago. So yes, I have a higher potential to be an entrepreneur, but it does not mean that 
if I don't utilize that potential, that someone that has less potential could easily overachieve as an entrepreneur, just like there's some grinders in sports that, you know, don't have the quantum potential of LeBron James, but they have a Steph Curry, uh, you know, he's probably, you know, closer to his potential, Steph Curry, than LeBron James for what they were born with quantumly. Mm. That's, that's intense. That's good. Yeah. Uh, a little, little different. Uh, I like that. Um, well, I'm now I'm going to want to ask you a question more from like the traveler point of view. Cause I think you said you uh, earlier in like one of our mentor sessions that you actually have rental properties yourself. I do. And I've traveled myself 200 days a year before COVID since I was 24 years old. So what do you, what do you think from the travels, you know, perspective and point of view when it comes to either hotel restaurants, short-term rentals, such as an Airbnb platform or something like that. What do you think, um, something that you would like to see change or improve and maybe what's something that you think should always stay the same and never change ever? Um, so I, I think something that would change is I, uh, think that we need to close off, uh, different areas from, I know Airbnb and BRB are going to hate this, but I, I don't think they're appropriate for neighborhoods. Mm. I think we're a transient, uh, people into, you know, a gated community or, you know, where kids especially are growing up. I, I don't think it's safe. You know, I think that we need to specify just like we did that you can build a hotel in this area, mm -hmm. that these are beach rentals or these are a certain rental. So I'd like to see, you know, securing up some of the neighborhoods uh, from any transient uh, behavior. I think it's the only place and you're talking about someone who owns, you know, short-term rental. So it's dangerous because yeah. then they're going to say, well, what about the boardwalk? Yeah. Uh, but I do think there's specific areas for hospitality and specific areas for neighborhoods and that, that, that type of, uh, opportunity shouldn't exist. The things I think should stay the same is, um, the customer service focus, you know, all the great schools, UNLV, Cornell, I love the fact that, you know, they're the Rick Reese's of the world, the GM of the montage, who takes these Ivy League kids who graduate and think they're going to run the montage and puts them into house cleaning uh, for their first three months yep. and teaches them the business from the ground up. I'd like to see that stay the same and keep improving, mm -hmm. because I will tell you through technology, the way that people can make you feel, the experience you can have is that of a king. You know, if you go to some of the higher end uh, hotels, for example, because of technology, when you pull up, they know your name, you know, they, they walk you to the elevator, they still have the white glove, personal touch, and I don't want that to change. Yeah, I love that. I totally agree. Um, so final question, what is the key that you've seen or maybe certain factors that play into find, you know, reaching that mission of that billion people finding true happiness in themselves and in their life. What, what have been some of the big factors that have actually helped achieve that for some people that you've seen? Consistency, you know, the human mind, body, and soul, uh, they are in, uh, counterintuitive action at all times. They create interference. So I think the major sh uh, shift in the paradigm that I see is if people can realize they are happy, they are healthy, they are wealthy. And just shift the paradigm and say, what am I doing to interfere with my health? Mm -hmm. Not I'm gonna go get healthy, not I'm going to get wealthy. 
Not, I'm going to be happy. No, no. What am I doing to interfere with what I already am? And that simple shift in that paradigm creates such a flow of the light, the love, and the lessons that everybody is connected to and through. That a tree in my world has no branches. There's no gatekeepers. There's only sponsors and power sponsors, people here to be of service and of value to each other, to create this collective consciousness of happiness, abundance. There is more than enough of everything for everyone. And you can make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun, especially in the experiential world of hospitality. Awesome. I couldn't have asked for a better answer. Well, David, my friend, thank you so much for being on the show and taking your time. I, I want to respect uh, you know everything that you're doing. So thank you again for being on Slick Talk and I will make sure to put everything in the show notes. Is there any last final words you want to leave the audience with today? Very simply, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast, then you are amazing, and thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill-out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast.